Hello and welcome to Eavesdrop and Get the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about Thor Love and Thunder, the new Taika Waititi Thor movie, new entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We've got the window open because it's sweltering, so if you hear, you know, cars and stuff, that's that's what that is. Yes. Um, Adds ambiance. Right, so... Which this podcast will need. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we even saw a trailer for this, but it was coming... In fact, the reason that I booked this... Um, I mean, I, I suppose we were going to see it anyway because, yeah, we you know, were. new Marvel movie. But I got an email from Cineworld saying, if you book now, uh, we'll enter you in a draw to uh, have a trip to Disneyland Paris. Ah. So I thought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you kept that secret from me? Yeah, well, that's because if, if I win, you're not fucking coming. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I booked it up. Uh. Um, you know, I don't think either of us was especially mad about it, but, you know, could be good. I don't think we thought it was very good. I, 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 for me, just in terms of my experience of watching it, this is the worst experience I've had at a Marvel film. Really? Yes. You haven't seen a worse one than this, even the first couple of Thors. No, I, I, I know I found things to like in the first couple of Thors, actually. Uh, but I don't know if it's just that, you know, white Kiki's sense of humor didn't work on me uh, this time around. I thought it was all kind of naff and predictable. I hated the look of the film. I hated the action. Mm-hmm. I hated the cheap sentimentality of it all. So I was half just, you know, trying not to fall asleep <laughs> and also just being conscious of not really responding to anything, really. Taika Waititi's shtick, I think, is starting to wear a little thin. He's someone, maybe like, I don't know, Chris Pratt has had a bit of this too, where, you know, when he first showed up, he was really likable and there was something quite original about him. I still him. love Chris Pat. Okay, but you know, like I know, he, he's he, a Christian he, and somebody I like him. But I mean, he got overexposed quick. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I kind of think that might be starting to happen with Taika Waititi. It's that very chummy thing and it's coupled with some pretty cheap sentimentality. Yes. Um, I, I don't like, I don't like the arrogance of it, you know, because there is an implied arrogance in that sense of humour. Mm. Yeah that your view of the world is a widely shared one so that you don't have to work at kind of making any of the jokes actually work. <laughs> yeah. It's implied as if somehow your own personality makes carries your jokes through. Yeah, well, you and know. for some people, he can do no wrong, you know. So, I mean, I was trying to imagine... It wasn't a very full uh, cinema, and I was trying to imagine how this would feel in a cinema that was full and really enjoying it. And there were two things, which was, one, I couldn't really imagine that plausibly. No. And two, I kept on thinking about how much I would hate all the people in that audience if mm. that was the case, you know? And like it, it's not that his jokes don't but there were points in the film where I laughed and there's the business with Thor and uh, Mjolnir I didn't mind. You know, Thor, Mjolnir and Stormbreaker have a kind of love triangle thing going on, which mm. is actually kind of fun. Um, and there are moments when those scenes work. But it's very all over the place and a lot of the humour did fall flat and some of that is, you know, I don't know, mood. But some of it's I mean, the thing I mentioned to you actually in the cinema, which is when he's saying goodbye to the Guardians of the Galaxy at the start, and uh, Chris Pratt's uh, Star Lord um, is, you know, go, okay, well, I'm going to go now. Mm. And Thor is going, take the ship. You know, I'll give you the ship as a gift. Mm-hmm. And Chris Pratt goes, oh, right, you're giving me my ship as a gift. And, he's, and it's, it's a scene that you've seen before where the one character is oblivious to the fact that the other character doesn't care. 
I hated it. I hate that kind of, For one thing, it's actually a specific kind of joke that I really hate because it's so nonsensical. It doesn't make sense that Thor is this delusional. No. I, I hated that characterization of Thor. You know, because, I mean, Thor might not be the most intelligent person in the universe, but I, he is a god. He is the son of a king. He's had a great education. To make it like some, you know, trailer trash, surf boy, you know, bum mm. is like... It, well, it's not keeping character at all, and I don't understand it. And then it makes me, you know, what does Dr. Jane Goodall see in this surfer bum? Like, <laughs> Dr. Jane, Dr. Jane Foster. Foster, <laughs> you know, like I, the whole yeah. thing, all of the relationships in the film fall apart when you make Thor so dumb, right? Mm. And the whole humor revolves around him all of a sudden having become so stupid, really. And uh, then the sentimentality relies on him not actually being all that stupid because ultimately he knows that he's lying to himself about not being in love and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, you, but you, still, he is meant to be stupid. So he's meant to be good-hearted, mm. right? You know, but stupid, right? And I think you can't have Thor stupid. Yeah, and making jokes about his kind of stupidity, to me, just fall flat. Actually, you know, making jokes about anybody's stupidity would kind of fall flat. I didn't find it endearing. Mm. Um, uh, which will quickly say kind of what the plot roughly is and who the enemy is this time around, which is Christian mm-hmm. Bale playing um, Gore the God Butcher, which I presume is a character from the comics, like they all are, it's one that I wasn't aware of. Um, And he's a guy, he's the guy who opens the film, in fact. Um, He's some kind of of tribal, you know, he's got like uh, tattoos and that sort of thing. And he's cradling his daughter in his arms, who's like, you know, 10 years old, and she dies. And then he goes to see the gods, his gods, which is a god that you haven't seen before. And he kind of, you know, cries for help and all that kind of stuff and the, oh, it's, you know, is something coming now that kind of thing, the, the, the eternity that my daughter's going to and it turns out there is no eternity and the god is dismissive of him, laughs Sneering, at him yeah. you know. and so I'm thinking, alright, oh, is there, is this going to be, is there satire coming right, you know, is this going to be about the gods who we put on our pedestals and the fact that we shouldn't be doing so mm. you know, actually, there's nothing that makes them special and we shouldn't be supporting these people, what Christian Bale's character then does is earn this uh, weapon, yeah. Everyone earns weapons in this, you know. You, Jane earns Mjolnir as well. Mm. It's everyone's getting chosen by their weapons. He is chosen by this sword that has the power to kill gods, and it corrupts whoever wields it. He mm. then dis- takes it on himself. I'm going to kill all the gods now. So, like I say, I'm thinking, are we getting into, you know, kill your kill your masters? Mm. Um, it would have been so much better had it been that way, right? Like it kind of it mildly approaches that when you get to the scene where there's a kind of council of gods, I can't remember what they're called, something city where all the gods live, basically, and hang out, and Odin is kind of king of the gods, god of the gods. Zeus. Sorry, what did I say? Odin. Oh, sorry, yes, Zeus, um, played by Russell Crowe. So Zeus is god of the gods. Um, and they're in this kind of opulent palace, and there's gold and crystal and all that kind of stuff, and, and it's all about who's going to be the, at the orgy this year and so on. It looks awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, and again, I'm kind of thinking... You know, it's the film approaching this. This is the gods don't care about the people. Odin is uh, Odin. Zeus is saying things along those lines. You know, mm. this is a minor person who's killing us. We don't need to worry about this. He's only killing minor gods. Mm. We don't need to worry. But you know, it, uh, the film never gets as far as repudiate because ultimately Thor is still going to wind up being a god at the end of this. I'm a god that we deserve to have and the right kind of god. It's never a film that's going to say throw the gods away. We don't need them. You the know? film is too cute and too smug about itself. Really, I mean. You know, what surprises me is that I liked a lot of the performances. I mean, I, I like Chris Hemsworth, Hemsworth doing that 
stupid surfer dude, mm. you know, comedy against himself. I just don't like him doing that in this role, right? Right, yeah. Uh, and I thought Christian Bale was fantastic. And I thought, um, what's his name, who played Zeus, was fantastic. Oh, Russell Crowe, yeah. Russell Crowe, yeah. He was, like, funny. And, you know, and I loved the cameos with Matt Damon and Luke Hemsworth and so on. You know, they were also, like, you could see they were having fun and so on. It's just that it barely gets a laugh, and they don't add up, mm. right? So you have all of these wonderful moments that these collaborators bring in, and that must be a result of the direction to a degree, or the director must certainly free them. But, you know, then the scenes are flaccid. The film is very ugly to look at. I, th- I thought the aesthetic was terrible, you know, and uh, you know, those scenes that you're talking about, which is like Las Vegas multicolored, <laughs> you know, kind of, it looks like an Indian wedding on acid, right? Like, it's just extremely ugly. Uh, and also kind of purposeless. Like, you know, you don't know what this image is meant to be conveying, really. Uh, so I really... Well, I think that in particular was about opulence and that kind of thing. Sure. You know, um, about the the, the luxury in which these people live, these gods live. Um, But he doesn't do enough to kind of contrast that with the way that their people live, right? He just talks about how the the gods are certainly, uh, they certainly find those people disposable. You know, so it does have that, but um, it's not doing enough with it. I also think that the projection in particular didn't help. No. We normally have seen this on the IMAX screen at Cineworld, but I booked it on a regular screen, and I do wonder whether it would have looked a lot had better a on the IMAX. cheaper moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because no, I've got no money. <laughs> you have to pay the surcharge for, for IMAX. And I do wonder whether it would have looked a lot better on the IMAX. Maybe. Uh, you know, but I think that's no But excuse. I still take your point. Um, yeah. And uh, I hated even all the gay stuff, which I should welcome, right? So, obviously, what is the Asgardian uh, warrior? Valkyrie is Tessa Thompson's character. Okay, Valkyrie. Yeah, Yeah, so I really like Tessa Thompson, right? And she's so charming and charismatic. But there was actually something about, you know, the way that the lesbianism of the character is depicted that I also thought was smug and, you know, full of itself, really. You know, that thing where she kisses the woman's hand. Mm. and I just didn't, li- I, you know, I, I maybe can't articulate why it rubbed me the wrong way, but it did. Yeah, it felt kind of superior somehow, right? Uh, and likewise, even, you know, the stuff with the stone face. Korg. Korg, mm. at the end, which ostensibly has bothered a lot of people. I think if that bothers a lot of people, they really want to be bothered because really it's so ineffectual. But I also thought it was like too cutesy poo full of itself, really. Uh, and also, and his and his his new stone boyfriend has got a big uh, <laughs> village people handlebar moustache, oh, so it's head. like that's how we identify that he's gay. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I mean, you know, and I like uh, Taika Waititi, uh, but this one just kind of I don't know if it brought me the wrong way or from the I'm in a bad mood for it. Mm. But like I said, I was just veering between trying not to fall asleep. And and just finding it dull. I mean, it's even hard to be angry at it or anything. Mm. You know, it just kind of fell flat all the way through. And it also felt loose and flaccid in a way that might be, um, you know, entertaining and idiosyncratic and rough around the edges, good in a little independent film, but actually just felt kind of jagged and uh, ineffectual and kind of, yeah. Lazy? Lazy. 
I do think Christian Bell was good. You mentioned. Yes. Um, good. I agree with you, and which is surprising for me actually for a character who is really drawn so thinly and not given very much time either. Not certainly not when we're building up most of the film. He opens the film and then you don't see him for a very mm. long time really. And we're spending a lot of time just piss-arsing about with Thor, mm. you know, and, and getting into sort of... He went off with the Guardians of the Galaxy at the end of, I guess it was Endgame. Um, that was going to be his new thing. And I, and I think it was then assumed, at least I assumed, we'd get a film out of that, you know. Mm. And actually we get basically an opening scene out of that that explains this is the kind of thing they've been up to. And then he leaves them. But I mean, the kind of stuff they've been up to is not funny enough. So I'm sort of glad that we didn't... No. To make a whole film of it, and also I don't really like the Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's more of a personal taste thing. Um, yes, I like that very much. The first film I loved. Yeah, um, but yeah, Christian Bale, like his character is so thinly drawn. It is just he he loses his daughter, is very very angry about it, and goes, "I'm going to kill every god that exists," and he kind of looks kind of a bit Voldemorty. But then he, you know, he te- when he steals the kids from Asgard, I thought actually this is quite creepy. You know, in a really good way. Like, I want him to be threatening, and he is being really quite threatening here. He is. It's, and I, so even though it looks, I think, he, I think if you saw him on paper, you'd go, this is quite unimaginative, the way he looks and the way he sounds and the way he feels. But, but. No, I like, I actually I liked he, all of that. I think then. he plays against the kind of lightness of the rest of it very well. Yes. He's got a certain kind of weight and authority that the rest of the film lacks. Yeah. You know, I also hated what they did with the Natalie Portman character. You know, to just kind of turn her into Thor, right? Um, I thought that was kind of lazy as well. As if you can't make that character interesting, mm. you know, and appealing and arresting within its own terms, yeah, you've got to kind of, you know, turn her into like a female Thor uh, to make her interesting. I really, I assume yeah. that comes from the comics as well. You know, well, I don't, I don't think these films. I'm not, I'm not saying it's an excuse, but I don't think these films ever have an original thing like that going on. It's always something that's been drawn from a storyline from a comic. Well, if it's drawn from a storyline, it's you know, it doesn't make any difference. I still thought yeah. it was kind of you know a lazy way of making her more interesting. Well, I think the thing that is interesting about that is the thing about her covering up her cancer and finding that Mjolnir, who she has now earned, as I said, has chosen her, um, is giving her kind of life. And so it turns out that actually the, the great power of Mjolnir energy. is draining her life. Um, but you know, it doesn't look like like when she when she puts down me on there, she turns into this desiccated, cancer-ridden mm. thing. Um, and when she's holding me on there, she's you know, fucking Lady Thor or whatever. What do yeah. they call it? The, the the Great Thor or something. She gives herself a special the name. Mighty Thor. Mighty Thor. That's it. Um, so that's kind of you know that that is where that could be interesting, and it's not made interesting enough. Yeah, and, and that's ultimately where you're supposed to find the kind of relationship with Thor interesting, that they're both lying to themselves and have been lying to themselves, and ultimately they love each other. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it, it's never made enough of. It's not it's not interesting enough. It's not moving enough. In fact, it occurred to me that one of the reasons that I was glad that we didn't get a Thor plus Guardians of the Galaxy film in its own right is because there was no chemistry between them mm-hmm. at all. Well, I think what I really hated was Thor. You know, and actually, I think that comes out of the arrogance of Chris Hemsworth, you know, who's really game. Yeah, he's, you know, he's the kind of actor I love because he just goes for it, right? Mm. But there's also all these attempts to make him look cute. So, oh, look, here's Chris Hemsworth fat, you know, as if that in itself is meant to be like the great joke. Ha, 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 ha. He's fat, right? Mm. And then, oh, oh, here he is. He's naked. Ha, ha, ha. You know, isn't, doesn't he look gorgeous? Right, and then like here he is, he's stupid, right? Like you know, like I mean, of all the things that you pick to laugh about, they're all kind of 
patronizing and unappealing, mm. right? And, you know, kind of a real disservice to the audience, I think. And collectively, they're like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's, it's, he is kind of the least appealing thing about the film, in a way. Um, which is an issue, I don't think he carries off. He, he is a funny actor, you know, he has been a funny actor. Yeah, he's funny. Not in this, he's not. Yeah, um, the humour just doesn't work. But it's me. not entirely his fault, I think it's, it, it's, all the comic setups really are very lame. Yeah, I um, mean, I don't think it's at all his fault. I think, you know, is somebody probably suggested, isn't it a good idea to make Chris Hemsworth fat, you know, and try to make 10 jokes out of that? And they should have said no. Well, the fatness <laughs> did... I mean, they play on it here, but the fatness did start in Endgame because the thing in, in Endgame was um, after the... You know, was it a few years after um, the snap? Yes. Then he's decided, I'm no, I'm no god anymore, and he's become fans playing video games. That's where that came from initially. Yeah, and it didn't bother me there, mm. actually. Okay. But, you know, I think it was like... Here it did bother me, you know, because it went on. And then also because of what it was paired with, the stupidity... And the nakedness is that you're all meant to go and, you know, faint in an orgasm of seeing, mm. you know, a 45-year-old man naked. I mean, please, from the backside. <laughs> I thought he was gorgeous. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well good for you. Yeah. I mean, I didn't particularly, and I'm certainly not going to faint about it, right? Yeah. You know. I didn't mind the faint. I thought that was not... It did, it, I mean, I didn't laugh, but I didn't mind the fainting joke. I thought, you know, uh, well, it was all right by me. So, um, and then the sentimentality on top of it, like, you know, uh, uh, the inarticulate sentimentality, like he can't express himself to Jane, he's too, you know, uneducated or stupid to be able to say what he thinks. I mean, I just, I just really despise the whole characterization mm. of, of Thor. Yeah. Um, uh, what did you think about um, the kids becoming warriors, being given weapons, being given... Th- for a temporary period, Thor's power. Uh, that would have um, been cute in another movie. See, I think the thing is that... Someone said on Facebook, in fact, I can't remember who it was, that either they'd seen it or their kid had seen it and said it was it was just for kids. It was boring and it was for kids. Mm. And I think the thing about it being for kids is actually important. It is for kids. And like the thing is, if I were a kid of that age, those kids are all sort of 10, 11 years old... If I were a kid of that age watching this film, I think I'd be very excited by that. You know, it's the kind of thing that I would like. But then you would need to give more attention to the children. Yeah. And you would need to make the children central rather than sidelines. You know, because the girl is brought in at the beginning and at the end. Right. And the children are brought in like in a gang. Yeah. In an almost undifferentiated gang up towards the end. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it does work for kids better than it does for adults. But even if it does work for kids better than for adults... It's still not much. Yeah, and the thing is, I want to think about the film. I want, I, I would like the film. I, I think the film thinks of itself as being more for kids than most Marvel films are. And actually, Marvel films are for kids, really, in some sense. Yes. Or other. Um, and this one, I think, is playing up, on, and not just with those child characters, but I think with with the general tone of a lot of it. Um, but then it's also um, for the swearing, mm. and I kind of wonder. Like, I, I don't mean to sound prudish about it because I don't think I am. But I don't think it's something that you you would whack into a film that's full of that you're aiming at children of that kind of age. I mean, if it's aimed for young children, you're making all these orgy jokes. Yeah, because there are there are lots of there are definitely jokes in films that you miss as a kid, and then you watch it like twenty years later, and 
Mm. I can't, can't believe I didn't see a very obvious sex joke or so. You know, in the first Toy Story, when they f- meet Buzz for the first time and Woody's very jealous of him and he's got his laser and, and Mr. Potato Head says he's got laser envy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yes. great. And I didn't get that for 15 years. Yes. You know, so like, there are there. But this, it's not, uh, that's not what's happening here. There's a great... I, mean, I think the kids are addressed. Yeah. You know, thus the reason why they are, there are so many of them in the film. So. Uh, I think the film is trying to have it both ways. So it's not making a film for children, but it, you know it's adding elements that would appeal to children mm. as part of a larger audience. Um, but I also didn't like it because I thought, for example, all the battle sequences were terrible. You know, it, there were just things exploding around. It was very difficult to get a sense of what was happening. It was very difficult to get a sense of who was doing what and what child was what. Mm. You know. Uh, um, or even what you know, what each adult was doing in relation to the other. So I'm afraid I just can't find a good thing to say about it. No, the action had some decent ideas. I thought I liked that Mjolnir because Mjolnir was destroyed and has now reassembled itself. It can now explode into shards. Well, the idea out. of the hammer, you know, uh, uh, exploding into shards and so on. I like the idea. I, I actually didn't like the execution. I didn't think the execution was too bad. Um, um, I also had to go and Google because I was like, Mjolnir, when did Mjolnir get destroyed? Because wasn't Mjolnir, Mjolnir got destroyed by Thor's sister. But that was before Endgame, when Mjolnir decides that um, Steve Rogers is worthy. You know, which was a great moment. Mm. You know, actually it, it made me reflect on that because like that in a cinema, that was a great moment and people cheered mm. when Mjolnir flew off to Captain America and now that weapons are being earned by people left, right, and centre, it's like it's not interesting that you know now it's decided that Jane is good. But I had to look it up because I was like, wait, Mjolnir wasn't broken then. And then thankfully, the Marvel fucking Wikipedia thing is like, no, no, that was alternate universe. Yes. Mjolnir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, I've got to keep track of all these fucking universes these days. Uh, but actually, I'm glad you mentioned uh, you know Infinity War because it makes you realise how poor this film is. You know, it doesn't have any of the emotional moments or any of the whooping audience response that, like, Spider-Man, the mm. latest Spider-Man film did or the latest Avengers film did or, you know. Uh, or actually, like, even, you know, the Black Widow film, which I thought was pretty bad, you know, some of the action there was, like, incomparably superior to anything that you see in this film. I mean, I think this is really, like, scraping the barrel. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, hard to recommend. Actually, was it worse for you than... Um Doctor Strange that we saw recently. Yes. Mm, I agree with that. Yeah, because I love the glossy production value of that Doctor Strange and actually, you know, the move into the alternate universe. There were some shots that were pretty dazzling there. Yeah. Visually, and there's nothing like that in this film. No, not really. Um, All right. It's too self-satisfied. Yes. Uh, So, you know, fuck you, Taiki Waititi. Well, steady. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, it's like, you know, because he was, or he did seem like such an original voice with so much potential. Mm. You know, and this is really taking that original voice for granted as if it's in itself appealing, as if you don't need to do anything with it. It does kind of feel like that thing of when someone has been told uncritically that they are great for 10 years. Exactly. And they're starting to believe their own bullshit a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, get on the job. (laughs) (laughs) alright thank you very much for listening we are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on Apple Podcasts Audible Google Podcasts Spotify SoundCloud and YouTube on social media we're on Facebook and Twitter and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com thank you very much bye bye (laughs) bye